you like to open up to 2 Kings chapter 25, please? In verse 27. And it came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, the king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison. Now then, you might think, well, who are they? Who's, who's evil Merodach? I mean, fancy getting a name like evil Merodach. <laughs> Can you imagine in the in the birthing suite? There's the mother and and father, and I don't know who chose the name. Maybe maybe it was a difficult labour or something. And and the mum said, "Let's call him Evil Morotic." I mean, what what an amazing name! <laughs> well, Jehoiakim. I mean, that's uh, interesting too. But <clears throat> you might think, well, who's Jehoiakim? Who's Evil Morotic? Well, Evil Morotic. As, uh, was the king of Babylon, as we have just read. Um, evil Merodic was the son of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, that led his armies and surrounded Jerusalem and sacked the place and took them all, took the uh, the house of Judah captive and so on. And Jehoiakim, he was um, about eighteen years of age when he was made king, and he he reigned as king in Jerusalem for about three months before he was taken captive and he was in jail for 37 years and when evil Merodic, who oh, doesn't sound that evil when evil Merodic, uh got made king it seems that he he said oh well <laughs> i'm having a good day today um i'll get that go, guy jehoiakim out of jail he's been there for 37 years 37 years Brian was telling me this evening he did 31. You were glad to get out, weren't you? Yeah. <clears throat> and he was on the other side of the fence. I remember 30 years or so ago when I was in working inside, there, and, and I'm certainly not making light of this, but there was a, a, a woman there who, a prisoner, who very sadly was, was held as responsible for the death of her child. I don't know the details, but just a, a young infant. I mean, tragic, really. Um, and she was imprisoned for, for f between four and five years. And uh, I, don't, I don't know particularly the details, but if I was in that position, if I was responsible for the death of, of a child, my child, you know, I'd be affected too. Well, this woman was affected when I was there. She'd been there for one or two years, but she just hated it. And and um, there was a time when uh, where she worked in a in a workshop, a an insecure workshop. But she was just one day just beside herself, and and all the windows and the doors were grilled. But she, I just want to get out, I said, and screaming and and climbing up the grills, you know, feet off the ground. Up walls higher than this wall, climbing on the grills, scrambling along sideways, people trying to pull her down and so on, just screaming. And it was just, it was, it was upsetting to watch it, to listen to it. But so she had four or five years. And after a year or two, probably just a bit after two years, I went to work one day and everybody was talking. She'd been released. I mean, when people are released, they don't stop around to say, oh, bye-bye, thanks for having, you know. It's boom, off they go. Because 
well, I mean, I don't know her state of mind. It was not good. But she would have been happy to get out. She was faced with four or five years and, and sometime after two years, all of a sudden, some government decision let her out. And you can imagine the relief at being having your sentence just halved like that, only doing two years, getting away from all the clamour that goes on inside. Another side of life altogether. You can imagine the relief. Well, what about Jehoiakim, who done, who had done 37 years in jail, in captivity? And I bet it wasn't a bed of roses then. Oh, I bet it wasn't. You can imagine then what a relief it was after 37 years to, to be called Jehoiakim. Come on, up you get. I mean, he would have been in there for the 37 years and he would have wondered. He's a human like you and I. He's got feelings. He's got emotions. Wonders what happened to his family back there in Jerusalem. He would have wondered if they're still alive or not. He would have got sick. He would have felt lonely. All of those things. And then all of a sudden, come on, up you get. Get yourself washed. Change your clothes. Off you go. Just like that. What a relief. I mean, 37 years would seem like a lifetime. And once he was released, he was promoted and he had a position in the land right up. He was actually honoured right up until his death. Now, if we, if we can understand that, those two examples, the one scripture, the one that I've just recounted to you, if we can relate to that and understand that and appreciate that, how much more is this when we think about we were in captivity before we received the Holy Spirit, whether we grew up in the Lord or not? Not everybody has come to the Lord as an adult and lived a, an unsaved life. A number of people in our fellowship have grown up in the Lord and they've received the Holy Spirit. Well, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that you don't have to go through what some people have gone through before receiving the Holy Ghost. But whenever we received the Holy Spirit, we were released from the king of this world, the prince of this world, the devil, and we got another king. It was Jesus Christ. And all the people said, what a relief that is. And um, <clears throat> if you have a look in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 2, now you're wondering what the theme of my talk is probably. Well, the theme of my talk is the kindness of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and here Paul is writing to the Spirit-filled in Ephesus. He's writing to us, and he says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. It's because of the kindness of God, the kindness of Jesus Christ, but the kindness of God that we're able to 
enter into, we're able to partake of the riches of God's kingdom. I mean, the, the, the jewel in the crown is living forever, isn't it? The jewel in the crown is eternal life, which is above and beyond this natural realm. Thank goodness for that. But the, 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 the richness of God extends to all of us in so many different ways in this natural life. And it's only because of God's kindness to start with. In chapter 1, we read, and in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of grace. We've been forgiven because of the kindness of God. You might say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, God's forgiven you for being arrogant (laughs) and saying you haven't done anything wrong. God's forgiven us because he's filled us with the Holy Spirit. We read elsewhere, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Paul says to the spirit filled in the book of Philippians chapter four, or we read or, and we read not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy ghost. That's in the book of Titus in chapter three. Again, the kindness of God has resulted in this, not anything of our own selves. Have a look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16. Proverbs, chapter 16, and and, uh, some of these verses that I'm going to read to you, you might think, well, that's not actually talking about the kindness of God, is it? No, it's not. But uh, the the, the book of Proverbs, it's, um, it's a book of some very profound wisdom, it seems. Anyway, here we are in chapter 16. It doesn't hurt us to read it. In verse Three, commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. If we, once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, if we live our lives in a way, and I'm talking about physically now, if we live our lives, if we're motivated by good spiritual thoughts and we're talking about the Lord, we live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God, he says, our thoughts are going to be established. We're going to be of a steady, of a stable mind. And, he, and we read in verse 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Again, God's kindness by his mercy and his truth, the truth of his word, iniquity, our sins have been forgiven or because we've obeyed the word. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. I mean, these things are profound, aren't they? They're simple, but they're profound, and we can appreciate their value. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Anyway, um, perhaps let me just read a couple more verses in verse 15. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his, fa- and his favour is as a cloud of the latter rain. Well, we believe that we are living in the times of the latter rain. We believe that we are close at the moment to the Lord's return. And he says, in the light of the king's countenance is life. In the light of God's word. If we're walking 
if we're using God's word as our light, if we're guided by that, we're going to have the life. We're going to have goodness. We're going to enjoy the blessing of God. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? The highway of the upright is to depart, is to depart from evil. He that keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to be divide, than divide the spoil with the proud. He that handles a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusts in the Lord, happy is he. And so we're walking in the light of the gospel now, aren't we? We see and understand things we, we, uh, we've got a strength within us to, we're, we're, we're prepared to be humble. We're prepared to be teachable. We're prepared not to bite back. We're prepared to accept correction because of the Holy Ghost within us. Because we all realize none of us know everything, but we want to get it right with the Lord, don't we? We, we want to be uh, able, we, we know that we are able ministers of the gospel. We want to be um, called, or, uh, have said to us at the day of the Lord's return, return, well done, you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. So all of these things, but it all started because of the kindness of God that he showed to us. <clears throat> Um, in while we are still here, in, but in verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In verse 27, an ungodly man digs up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. A froward man sows strife, and a whisperer separates chief friends. Now, these things are true. And probably we have all seen this happen from time to time. Hopefully we haven't seen it too often, but we, but there are things do go wrong. People do get the wrong attitude about things. Sometimes they get the wrong attitude about uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And from time to time, we do see things like that. In verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. You know, the Lord, now that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he wants us to, he expects us to exercise self-control because we, he's made us something. He's, he's showed his kindness to us. He's filled us with the Holy Ghost. And he says, you're mine. You're my representative. You're my ambassador. You're filled with my Holy Ghost and power. You are the light of the world. And I'm not going to, uh, have, I don't want my lights to be put out. And I don't want my light to bring shame on the gospel or on, on Jesus Christ's name talking about bringing shame on the gospel. Um, just before I left home tonight, I was watching the news and there was a, um, uh, you may have already seen it, if not today then, but there was the, the chief pastor 
of a of a, um, a Pentecostal group, a very big Pentecostal group. I'm assuming that that he was spirit filled, but he's been stood down and so on and so on because of uh, uh, he visited a woman's room in a hotel under the influence of alcohol and other drugs, <laughs> pastor. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, he was also sending inappropriate text messages to another woman. I mean, what a testimony. What a testimony. It's just shocking. And what do we read here? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And there, there was a bit of um, a film, bit of video of this gentleman, you know, sort of back and back and forth on the stage and just banks and banks of people and uh, big screens behind him and all the music and all the glitter and all the lights and, and all the money, no doubt that, well, not all the money that comes pouring in and so on, but all these things, they're just compared to the truth of God, compared to the humility that the Lord is looking for from his people. I mean, just imagine if um, if uh, one, of, one of our pastors <clears throat> um, was, was up in the news like that. Just imagine the what we'd feel. You think, wow, that's... That's terrible. I mean, it doesn't have to be one of the pastors. It could be one of the one of the members of the fellowship. But we don't we don't operate like that. We we're very much aware, aren't we, of the kindness of God and the calling of God and the privilege that He's put upon us and how He's called us now because of this kindness. He's called us to walk with Him in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, not led by the flesh. In the book of um, in the book of Romans, and um, I'm moving on. All right, the book of Romans, chapter two. Now, by the way, I mean the Bible says that we shouldn't should not rejoice when our brother stumbles. Well, I'm not rejoicing over over anything, but I'm just pointing out the fact that this this has been demonstrated in our society. You know, all the money and all the 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 prestige and uh, the um, publicity and all the the acclaim, the, the, the numbers of people, it means nothing. The Lord has just called us to walk humbly with him and stand up for him and live the life and profess his name. In chapter 2, Paul writing here, and he says to us, in verse one, you, are, you therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges, for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judge do the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And think you this, O man, that judges them which do such things and do the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God. Or despise you the riches of his goodness. That word goodness, it comes from the Greek word and it actually means kindness. He says, despise you the riches of his kindness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness or the kindness of God leads you to repentance. 
I mean, it's a shame that sometimes people do appear to despise God's kindness or just sort of treat it as nothing or not even consider that the kindness of God has been shown towards them. In verse 5, but after your hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, eternal life. That's what we're after, isn't it? Is there anything else worth having? But to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. Let's be a people that relish Let's be, be a people that are appreciative of and value God's kindness for what he's done and what he's going to do. Now then, do you remember that fellow that was in captivity? What was his name? Jehoiakim. I don't know if you actually remembered his name. I think, Brian, you got it completely wrong then. You, you got Jay, but Jehoiakim. Now, do you know what Jeho Jehoiakim means? All right, I'll tell you. Don't go looking it up on your phone. Uh, stop. <laughs> I'll tell you in a minute, but just turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And so we remember what happened to Jehoiakim. It's no good going out to the foyer to get a Bible dictionary, Margaret. I'm going to tell you what Jehoiakim means. In Hebrews in chapter 13, and Jehoiakim, how long had he been in jail? 37 years. He'd probably done it hard. Now, in chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews, and verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. In verse 5, let your conversation or your conduct, that is, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, that's a relief, isn't it? That's a comfort. And in verse 9, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Remember Jehoiakim? A lifetime in jail. Now, you think before you received the Holy Spirit, maybe you were nine or ten years old, but before you received the Holy Spirit, however old you were, you did not have the had the you hadn't had the kindness of God shown to you in that you weren't spirit filled. You did not have the promise of eternal life. You did not have your sins forgiven. You did not have the great and precious promises that he has given to you now. And uh, you might have been 40 or 50 before you received the Holy Spirit. You might have gone through all the trauma and, and all those other things and the, the, the despondency and so on, wherever we were. But let's just remember Jehoiakim. A king lifted up his head and said, come on, out you get. Well, Jesus Christ, our king, came to us and filled us with the Holy Spirit and he said, come on, up you get. Walk with me. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus now. 
And Jehoiakim means God establishes. And we, if you like, are little Jehoiakims or big Jehoiakims because God has established us. He's established our lives. He's established our ways. He's established our thoughts. He has planted our feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ. We know where we're going. The resurrection is coming. We're going to enter into the age of the ages, the eternities. What's it going to be like on the other side? Well, we don't know, but it's going to be good. Jehoiakim was established until the end of his days. We, because of the kindness of God shown to us, have been established until the end of this natural life. It's important for us, really, to know where we've come from and to realise that it's only the kindness of God that has brought us from there to here, and it's going to take us to the Lord's return and eternal life. And all the people say... 